Welcome to the Creative Liberty Podcast. I'm your host, Major Chisholm. And in the studio with me today is Mr. David DJ Lee. Woo! How are you, friend? Hello, Creative Liberty. Creative Liberty folks. Good to see you, sir. You as well. It's really good to see you. Let me full screen us here. Word. Um, so, you're a musician. I am. I've been a musician for a very long time. Very long time. Um, and for our audience, uh, for those listening, all 15 of you guys, um, 18. 18, 18 of us, um, DJ and I went to college together. For 643 years ago. Right? Feels that long ago. Uh, we went to Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. You, you. <laughs> Go dogs. Um, Go dogs. So, you're a musician. Um, and tell us, tell us the backstory. Tell us uh, your family. Let's yeah, start with... Let's start how, with party women, how far... I want to go all the way back. No, I want you to go to Bud and Barbara, and I want you to Man. walk us forward. Tell us your story all about all right. being in music, and then I'll, if I have questions, I'll interject. Okay, cool. So my story is quite interesting, uh, only because I was raised pretty pretty differently. Um, my parents, uh, my dad's classically trained vocalist. My mom has a master's in class, classical piano, and they have been traveling since 1987. Um, traveling full-time music ministry where they sing at churches for a living. Um, and it's wild and crazy because they kind of booked their own schedule and their itinerary and word of mouth and this and that. And they've done it for 33, 33 years. And uh, when I was young, so I have two older sisters, They, my parents traveled for two years without us. We stayed at home with our grandma. And they'd come back at home off, you know, fairly often, but they were gone a lot. So they asked us if we wanted to homeschool and travel with them. So you got to remember in 1989, not many people were homeschooling. I mean, right. people were homeschooling, but it's not like now. Like today, it's like, oh, homeschooling is like the thing. Hello? Right. Can you hear oh, me? Oh, sorry. My screen. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So my screen just went crazy. Do not disturb. But sorry. Do not disturb on my phone. Okay. Um, yeah. It was like a thing where people... Um, no one really homeschooled. You'd say homeschooling, they'd be like, you do what? So we started homeschooling, traveled with my parents, singing at churches. I did that from fourth grade till I graduated high school. Then I went to Union University um, where I met Chisholm, who was an upperclassman, and I was a freshman. But um, I uh, grew up traveling, singing at churches with my family. So music has kind of been a part of who I am and bred it in me growing up. Um, and then when I went to college, I started uh, as a freshman majoring in music. So I, mean, I was like, like sing, but I had no formal training um, other than being on stages at churches, stuff I learned from my dad. Or my mom would have showed me on the piano or something. But um, being the youngest, we were deep in traveling mode by the time I was old enough to kind of start really caring about music. So right. um, went to Union and studied music, uh, classically trained. Um, met a guitar player there, met another guy there who was a singer and English major, and the three of us created a band 
and uh, it was a band called Scratch Track. And we started to actually in college for all you deep cutters, it was called Eclipse. Yes. We were at Union. We were, we were called Eclipse. I was going to ask you, what was the, uh, was, the, the band's yeah. name before Scratch Track? Okay. Yeah, yeah. We were called Eclipse. Uh, yeah, like the gum, uh huh, in the car. Yep, <laughs> um, like the thing on the sun. Yep, eclipse. <clears throat> and so, it was it was great. It was a folk, hip hop, soul trio that was just acoustic guitar and then our voices. So, um, that's kind of my 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 instrument. I sing and I also beatbox, doing beats with my mouth. So Will and I would go back and forth beatboxing and singing, um, and then Jason Hamlin. Shout out to Jason Hamlin. He, um, incredible guitar player, all the riffs, all the music. So started that in college, kind of on accident. That story's random. We played the variety show one random, <laughs> random day for the variety show. And, um, crowd went wild and we were like, Oh, we should start a band. So, um, did that throughout college. And then when we graduated college, decided to pursue professionally. Moved to Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts to record our album there, the first part of 2003, and then we hit the road touring. Um, got management in New York City, college agent, showcase for labels, all of that stuff. Um, I have crazy stories about those times, that time, that section. That section of time we toured from 2003 to 2005 was a crazy, wild ride because we were doing it all DIY. This is before the internet, even before like MySpace, before any of that stuff. Um, traveling, selling CDs out of our car, van, staying with friends, booking our own shows. Then we got a college agent and still just beating the highway up. Um, 2005, Will ended up quitting to, to, you know, to pursue his kind of like family life and uh, some other things. So Jason and I kind of held on for the ride for another eight years so 2013 and then 2014 we uh shut the band down um and so for the last five or six years i've been trying to kind of morph into juggling a lot of hats in music with artist management tour management production management um songwriting and i'm back kind of up on the horse of being an artist again so uh comes back full circle so yeah lots of things but that's kind of the the cliff notes of my journey through music to get me to the point where I am now in 2020. Um, we'll come back to uh, what you're working on uh, currently, but okay. um, wow. What did you, what'd you learn from the road? If you had to go back and tell, tell DJ. Yeah. I was going to say which, which, ver which version of me, like, that 10 to 20 year old road or 20 to 30, like adult touring or child touring. So I've learned lots of things on the road. Right. Right. Uh, let's go with adult touring. Like, would you, yeah. if you were to tell other artists, other people out there, um, what would you, what, what advice would you give them if they're planning on touring or getting on the road and doing it themselves? Yeah. Um, touring is interesting because I have a lot of current thoughts about touring as an artist and as musicians in 2020. I have a lot of thoughts about uh, why and how and when you should do it, where I won't get into. Some of those are part of my branding secrets. But uh, <laughs> as far as the thing about touring really, which is kind of the, um, 
the crux of it um, is just kind of knowing that it's so much more about living in harmony with who you're touring with mm-hmm. and the emotional side of the road is almost as important as the 90 minutes you're on stage, right. you know, or 60 minutes you're on stage, you know, 23 hours of the day you're living in harmony with someone right? and you're dealing with every moment of traveling and touring with that person. So you wake up feeling terrible with a hangover or even just with like a headache or if you, you wake up in the morning feeling just not in it, yep. not happy. Yep. You've got a bandmate, you've got other people that are, you know, there with you that you have to kind of like be aware of uh, as you process life and deal with all the stuff that we all deal with through life. So. That's, that's good wisdom, being in harmony. You mentioned you uh, produce. Who, who are you working with? Or who do you yeah, produce? Um, so, yeah, so basically I do, um, I'm doing artist development now for a few acts, artist development slash management. So um, there's a young girl here in Nashville I'm working with. Her name is Aspen, A-S-P-Y-N, <coughs> A-S-P-Y-N. She just released her first single called Heartless. She is 16 years old. Uh, that story, I've known her family my entire life from the Kansas City area. They moved to Nashville even before I moved to Nashville 18 months ago. Um, I was teaching her voice lessons in Kansas City while I was there. So I do that. Oh, I do that as well. Add that to my list. I teach voice. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, so when I got to Nashville, she was like, they're like, Aspen's one of seven kids. She's a middle child. She's like, Aspen really wants to do music. I'm like, we're in Music City. And so I've been teaching her voice. And then she'd say, hey, I wrote this song. She'd play me a song. I'd be like, oh, that's really good. You know, keep. Keep writing. You're doing a great job. She's like, oh, I got this other song. She's playing me a song. It's like, oh, this oh, man, that's good, you know? Just keep at it. Get your 10,000 hours in. Keep writing, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and uh, she, day was just kind of like, we were, I did a voice lesson, and we were finishing, I was packing it up. She was like, oh, I wrote this song like 20 minutes the other day, and she started playing this song, which this is the single she released, and she said, uh, she got to the chorus and said, uh, I'm not heartless. I'm just using my heartless part of this is that I once cared too much. And I remember stopping and being like, what, what, what was that? <laughs> she's, she's singing again. I'm not heartless. I'm just using my heartless part of this is that I once cared too much. And I was like, oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this might, this might be a thing, you know? And so, Literally for the last 12 months, um, woodshedding that song, got it, got it with an awesome producer who actually happens to be in the current project that I'm in, which we'll get into that later. But uh-huh. um, her dad's, Aston's dad is great with digital media things and websites and lyric videos. And so she's a thing now. So she's going to put a record out. Her EP's going to come out this summer. Nice. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, she's a thing. Yeah, young, sixteen too. I tell her every day, man, if I could go back. If I had your talent at sixteen, you know, people say I was talented, but I was just like, I was looking back. I don't know, maybe I was, but she's really clever, and you know, has way more opportunities now with technology and right. internet, and 
you know, recording capabilities and voice memos, just, just voice memos alone. You know, yeah. I have mini tape record. I have mini tape recorders that in shoe boxes of things that like ideas. I used to have, like all those things are such an advantage for her right now. So yeah, I, um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. So that's one artist. I work with an artist named Olivia Fox, a girl trio from Kansas city. There's a folk pop thing, which is amazing. They're on Spotify and Apple music and all that music videos. They do a nice hybrid of, classic folk harmonies with like pop 808 beats and synths and snaps and um i work with an artist named secondhand king who does uh doo-wop hip-hop he's, oh, wow. uh, i tell people he's kansas city's he's kansas city's last beatnik so uh <laughs> he's got an album coming out this summer or fall as well called the doo-wop rapper and uh, so i work with him uh i do i work with a producer who's produced actually secondhand king's last last album and he's produced producing and, and is the producer of Olivia Fox. He is basically the fourth Fox guy named Tyler Banks. So I, I work with him um, in production and I work with him and kind of giving him clients and giving him work. So we, we write together a lot as well. So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what I have my hands in now uh, as far as like currently juggling on the management and artist development. Tip. Okay. Um, <clears throat> where do you get your inf- inspiration from? Musically, Chicago. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know that song? You're anyway, um, that was a joke. Okay, I get my inspiration. What? Let's see, where do I get my inspiration from? Um, that's an interesting state question. It's an interesting question because, um, there's a core of me being raised in a very conservative Christian home. Um, with I believe in God and I believe in uh, Protestant faith, uh, but I'm inspired by like my 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 father. I'm inspired by those kind of went before me. I'm inspired by art around me. Um, you know, I think I make music because it's who I am. Um, making music, connecting people, creative. You know, creative creatively helping creative people is kind of my slogan, my mm-hmm. website. Um, it's my passion. It's just kind of like where I feel the most like myself. So I'm inspired by, you know, God, I'm inspired by art. I'm inspired by creative people. So I think that is what fuels me. I feel energy from other humans and creative humans. And that synergy is, is inspiring. to me. Mm. That's awesome. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you a curveball then. Who, uh, if okay. you if you can name one, your favorite musician of all time. You can name three, but uh, you know what's fun. What's funny is that when you said that, a couple of things flashed in my my head. Um, this is gonna sound kind of weak, but yeah, it's hard for me not to just like. When I hear that question, say Michael Jackson. Uh, it's hard for me not to like. It's right? hard for me not to like hear that and just be like, "Oh, Michael Jackson," because I've never. I. <laughs> it's funny. My earliest memory of music, I, I think I was probably three years old, maybe. I mean, maybe four, but I think I was three, and we had a record player, like a Fisher Price record player, in my parent in my house. Again, I'm the youngest of two other sisters, and we would play, on repeat. Um two different records I remember. We had Lionel Richie's 
maybe not greatest hits, but it was like whatever album had all all night long, all night. night. Had that song, had that record, and we had Michael Jackson's Thriller. And we would play those two records. And I have only memories I really have is for some reason we had this curtain in our dining dining room. And I think we would dance in the dining room to the first track on Thriller is Want to Be Starting Something. And it's the song that has the greatest outro of all time. Mama say, Mama say, Mama Mama say, Mama say, Mama Mama say, Mama say, Mama which is the funkiest thing ever. <laughs> it's so great. Um, so I think honestly that that triggered something uh, orally in my ears. I think at a young age, and every time I hear Michael Jackson, I'm just like that is inspiring. Mm. The pop, the energy, the grooves. And honestly, man, he, he had a lot of great messages, man. Like, I was, I was literally quoting him yesterday. We were talking about what's going on in the world and everything. And I said, man, really, honestly, like, so many people have thoughts and, you know, feelings and emotions are high. So even today, with what's going on in the world, um, I was quoting Michael Jackson, the song. I said, people were talking about all the emotions are high and how people are feeling. I said, Honestly, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make that change. Like, we can talk all this logic and theory and all these things, but the real changes that you'll see in a culture start from within. Mm. It's just how it is. Yeah, absolutely. Everything, everything else is just a product of the character and the... Um, or lack of character, <laughs> the <laughs> character and values and integrity of an individual person, which turns into a community, which turns into a town, which turns into a state, which turns into a country. Right. Know? Yeah. I agree. Mm. Who are you listening to now? Oh, uh, lots of people. Oh, I love this band. Actually, this band, these girls, Larkin Poe. Okay. You heard these girls? Nope. They're sisters from Georgia. Um, they do like a blues, um, a blues pop rock thing. One of the girls, uh, Megan, plays like a slide slide guitar. Yeah. Um, she's amazing. Um, and then Rebecca, great lead vocalist. They're a great band. Uh, I listen to a lot of like indie, like indie pop stuff. Things like you know, um, like JP Sachs and Loud and. Um, I'm kind of a pop head in that realm. Uh, what did I listen to yesterday? I listened to like some rock and roll yesterday from Zeppelin to Van Jet. Um, always listen to the artists I work with, Aspen, Olivia Fox, Secondhand King, you know, um, what else am I listening to right now? Um, a lot. I, music is, I study it and I find music and I, rabbit hole and I dig and I listen and I watch. So yeah. Okay. Um oh I love this this kid Lewis Capaldi. You know this kid Lewis Capaldi? Man, he's so good. One of those British troubadours that's amazing. Okay. I'm gonna have a lot of a lot of bands to look up after this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um hmm Louis, Louis Capaldi. Is that right? Capaldi. Okay. You might know his voice. He's got a lot of stuff out. Good. Okay. Um, 
if you weren't working in music, what would you be doing? A teacher. What would you be teaching? Music. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I say, I say school teacher. You know what? If I wasn't working in music, I'd probably be doing like a bunch of different things. When I was younger, like late 20s, early 30s, I thought if I'm still nickel and diamond in my life or not really making any headway in this, I'll go be a school teacher by the time I'm 40. And so then it's like, oh, this is who I am. So would I teach music in school? I think I'd be really good at it. Let's just say that. I think I, I have the temperance and the personality to be a school teacher. It's in my blood. My mom's mom taught school for 40 years. I have an older sister who you know, Stephanie, yep. who, has her PH, who has her PhD and is a teacher. Um, you know, my oldest sister, Melody, has been, you know, she's just a super alpha. So she's always teaching whoever she needs, you know, uh, the big sister, you know, mm-hmm. the big sister uh, instructional uh, voice. She's married to a preacher. You know, my dad's always the guy people call for advice. So, mm-hmm. And my DNA is just this thing of, you know, helping, helping. And yeah. so, yeah, I think that would be probably the thing. Honestly, if I wasn't doing music, I would probably right now trying to be doing something like entrepreneurship, like um, finding, like inventing something, being a part of like, you know, creating something new or creating something uh, like a new company or something like that. Right. Stephanie. Uh, by the way, you you beat her on the podcast. She has she hasn't come on yet, so <laughs> gotcha, sis. Uh, but I am gonna have her. She's on. so comp- she, she's so competitive too, bro. She, she'll be like, oh, really? You beat me? Okay, but deep down, she'll be like, <sighs> yeah. All I, the great ones are. This is what I've learned though: is that if you're gonna be great at something, there's a competitive drive in you that's unparalleled. I don't know if I have that competitive drive. I mean, I'm competitive to a certain extent, but there's a drive. There's a super alpha, you know, like right. drive that is, you know, amazing. Stephanie is the most driven person I've ever met. See, I don't think I've met uh, your oldest sister. What, what's her name? Yeah. Melody. Melody. Like music. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Stephanie has the drive. And, yeah. but you said that, you said that Melody was an alpha. Yeah, she's a super alpha. Super yeah, alpha, that's sure. it. Stephanie, Stephanie's like a quiet, you know, the quiet assassin. Melody yeah, will walk into exactly. a room. Melody will walk into a room, announce that she's going to blow everybody up, and then do it. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> Stephanie will just quietly destroy you. Melody will just let you know what's about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, so, uh, yeah, the you spoke a little bit earlier about uh, the, the times we're living in. How has COVID interrupted uh, what you've been working on, what you've been doing? Um, you know, what's funny is that I'm probably one of those weird people. Man, COVID's kind of been really good for me, to be honest. Um, yeah. A lot of my hustle in Nashville involved like going here, going there. Um, I was driving a lot of lifts, you know, to keep, make extra money as well so i had a lot of like i was spread out mm-hmm. like my my person was spread out all over the place and right with covid and things closing and people kind of being forced to be in home i was able to kind of like i've been tooling up as i call it you know I've been teaching myself logic the uh the Way software to that you make music on and yeah 
yeah, I've been teaching myself iMovie, trying to learn how to do more of those things. That video, um, I, yeah, I made my so I made a song and a music video. I didn't know I did that before COVID. I don't know if I would have learned how to do that, but I've taught myself how to do those things. Uh, you know, um, because we're you know everyone's staying at home order and trying to be safe and what's the catchphrase social distancing and all of that. So, you know, I think, um, and it also gives me time and like some solid students and space to kind of, um, really evaluate, you know, how I want to orchestrate more. Right. I'm always trying to figure out how to be better and be a better version of myself and be more. So I'm also working out a bunch and trying to eat better and trying to like get the rhythm of that and then continue because you know i'm not young so you gotta like you know take care of yourself and do those things so um covid man i mean i hate that it you know i hate that it's killed so many people or taken so many people and a lot of people have dealt with some real sicknesses and some bad things but for me and personally and everyone that i know cause i don't know anyone actually who has covid um or that they know of i shouldn't say it we often have it and not know it, but right. it's I like, what you, mean. Yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, for me personally, this has been kind of a, a, a blessing, uh, in disguise. Yeah. Same, same for me as well. Just been able to focus and work on stuff yeah. and, you know, we were working from home <clears throat> for a, for a few months and now it's officially summertime. So, um, yeah. so now it's working on whatever I want to work on, which has been really good. So. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, has has this time sparked new ideas and for the future? Oh, absolutely, Ab- absolutely. I um, I can't talk about a few of them, but <laughs> I do have. Some I, I love the that top I'm, secretness. <laughs> I know, right? And really, it wouldn't be funny if there's no, when people say that I'm always just like, you don't have anything. You're just saying that to sound important. You know what I mean? It's like, right? I've got some things in the works. I can't really talk about. I'm like, oh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> really you're trying to sound really cool humble just, brag yeah it's exciting i'm really excited about it I'm really it's like <laughs> you know they're just they're just going to target later you know there's right. like <laughs> you know there's nothing no uh I'm, you know i'm trying to craft a way to help more artists and i have more i have people that i'm close to that are just unbelievably talented who i think could use my administration skills and my you know the accountability that I can kind of bring as far as like management things and um, the hustle, man. The hustle is something that I learned from Bud and Barbara, my parents, man. They are they are the hustle. You know, they're the definition of hustle. And so it's kind of embedded in me growing up. And so um, I, uh, I definitely want to help, you know, creatively help creative people. And so that's been great. And then I've been, like I said, making more music on my own. I'm making beats now. And I've been beatboxing for 20 years, but I've never really made my own beats with my com- combining my beatboxing and like programmed sounds. And mm-hmm. So I've been doing that, uh, which has been really, really cool. I've been writing over that stuff and sending beats to people and writing. So it's been, it's really helped me really, really helped me get stuff, you know, flush stuff out of me as far as, uh, creatively. Good, good. Yeah. I think, uh, and I've said this before, I don't know if I've mentioned it on a podcast. Um, but I think once everything's, said and done, I think there's going to be some aspects to all of this that people are going to look back on and go, you know, that was kind of a sweet time for my family. And now we're kind of thrown, yeah, yeah, yeah. thrown back into the work and the busyness of life and everything. And I think, you know, if they don't establish some of those practices and, 
some of those family times or creative times that they're going to look back, man, I kind of, kind of miss that, you know? So it, I'm no, glad, absolutely. I'm glad people are taking advantage of it like you. Um, absolutely. How, uh, talk a little bit about, you said you were raised, uh, by Bud and Barbara and, in a conservative Christian family, does faith play yeah. a role into your music? Does it come across in your music? Um, you know, the obvious question people would say, Oh, is he a, is he a Christian music? You know, as right, 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 right. speak to that, speak to that. Uh, yeah. So, um, it's funny because with what's going on in the world, people, especially today, right. Um, have been calling me a lot, texting me a lot. Why? Asking me a lot. Of, <laughs> right. I wonder why. Uh, cause I think I'm a lot of people. I'm one of a, I think that a lot of people that I know, being raised in the suburbs and raised in, a, you know, um, I have no better way of saying this, but being raised in white America, um, just being raised in the environment where I'm a lot of people's, I'm probably a lot of people's closest black friend. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, and I recognize that and I have a lot of friends and I'm friendly and I'm thankful for my friends. And so I'm thankful that that they care enough about me to call and say, Hey man, this is crazy stuff going on in the world. And I just want you to know, I love you. I'm like, I can't be mad about that. Like it's a no. little weird, but I can't be mad about right. it. You know what I mean? Right. So, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, man, my parents, man, they, man, they have raised us children. I'll speak to me specifically. Um, to love God and love each other. Um, and everything that you do needs to be great. It needs to be done for the glorification of what's bigger than you. Um, my faith, and I think my faith is strong. I think my faith, uh, it definitely has changed in the last, you know, couple of decades. Um, my, my relationship with God is, um, it's an ever-changing thing, right? It's we're all we're all morphing as right. we the more experiences, life experiences that we have. You know, our perspectives change. Um, but you know, as far as how it affects my art, I'm always going to have that like conscious thought about: is this song, um, is this song a song that I can play for my parents? Is this a song that is for everyone? You know, I think that a lot of artists, music, visual, whatever, when they make art, they say, well, I don't want to make Christian art because I want to make music for everyone. But then they alienate that art so that conservatives or Christians or women or babies, whatever, or kids can't listen to it. And I've always wanted to be like, no, that's, I want to make art literally for everyone. You know, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants, Catholics. I want to make a song that you could play for anyone from any background, any walk of life, any age. Mm. And not have to explain it, not have to do anything, just hit play and let them take the art. You know, let them experience the art. And um, I hope that comes out. You know, I actually, I've been in this kick lately trying to figure out um, and I did this to the song I just put on my, on my SoundCloud, um, 
my buddy Evan John from back home. That was another project I was in, DJ and Evan John. Shout out, Evan John. Um, he, he left a voice memo on my phone. I took it, loaded it in my computer, put it in Logic, looped it, put a beat over it, put some other sounds on it, added a little organ on it, and like I sent it to him. He sent me back another guitar part, and then he sent me a bass line via the internet. So we wrote this whole song through COVID, never being in the same room. Oh, I love it. Uh, he, we just had I did parts that we just, I just kept adding to this track. And I was like, man, I, I want to create. And the beat kind of got like a modern feel. And I was like, I want to create like, and Scratch Track did this for a few songs, like modern day Negro spirituals. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to create this song that had like a gospel spiritual feel over a modern you know, produced sound. And right. uh, I think I came pretty close. I don't know if I hit it out of the park, but I know I got it between the outfielders. And I know it went to the wall, you know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's a song called A Little Help. And it's on my SoundCloud, at Rock Baby Rock. Um, that's my, all my socials rock, uh, baby rock. But that in itself is just an example of like, that's the kind of, I mean, I love to make art that is for everyone, you know? So, and so my faith comes out of that, but again, I don't want to use it as an agenda or use it as a, you should think and stink like me. Cause I mean, growing up when I did, our parents lived through the Jesus, you know, the Jesus movement, this whole yeah. country. So there was a lot of this you need to do this, you need to do that. I, I call it dictatorship gospel, you know? And uh, I'm not talking down upon that. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that's like not how I've ever wanted to love people or how I wanted to present, you know, my lifestyle or my or my faith to people right. through that type of dogmatic dictatorship way. I just want to, you know, I want to love, I wanna, in the words of Bill and Ted, be excellent to each other. Mm. So, um, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Hey, that's a great, uh, that's a great stopping point for us to take a little break. Okay. And, um, cool. when we come back, we are going to probably watch one of your videos. Sweet. We're on a zoom call and a podcast. So, um, if I could get your permission to probably put your song on my podcast before it gets struck, I don't even know if they do that verbal, podcast. You have my verbal permission. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to the Creative Liberty Podcast. In the studio with me today is David DJ Lee DJ um, so your faith we just uh, talked about that I want to bring up one of the uh, one of your you said it's a, a most recent song is that right a recent song yes it's a very recent song uh, this is the song that I taught this is the very first song that I taught myself how to use logic okay um the the software and I recorded the audio by myself. Uh, actually, that's not true. I called my buddy Tyler, who I produce with, and sent him some of the files, and he helped me kind of a little bit. But this is like the first thing I ever did. Pretty much everything I did all the music, like beatboxing, vocal percussion, vocal harmonies, 
sing the lead vocal. So I made the track and then uh, I submitted it to a contest for the Goffin and King Foundation. Goffin and King is Jerry Goffin and Carol King, songwriters. Um, we all know who Carol King is, but uh, Goffin and King the Foundation is celebrating the work of the, the great American songbook that <laughs> Goffin and King wrote. So they wrote songs by everyone from the Drifters to the Shirleys to the Animals to, you know, all kinds of artists. Uh, you know, Little Eva, The Locomotion. They wrote so many great songs. Yeah. Um, so I picked this song um, as I was a part of their first annual songwriting, songwriting retreat. Um, shout out to Louise Goffin. And, um, yeah, so then they wanted the video to go along with the submission. And so I taught myself how to make a video. So, um an iMovie. So, yeah, Don't Bring Me Down as a, as a cover by the band called The Animals. It was written by Jerry Goffin, the late Jerry Goffin, and, and the Queen, Queen Carol, Carol King. Okay. Queen King. Carol King. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let me pull this up. I'll probably just do 30 seconds because I want our audience to uh, to go back yeah. for more. I don't want to play the, the whole Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, Check it out on YouTube. Yeah, at... YouTube, Rock a Baby Rock. Wait, I think it's my YouTube, DJ Lee. It's one of those two. You can look up Rock a Baby Rock on YouTube in this song, and you'll find it. All right. There I am. Olivia Fox. You can train and criticize I feel I'm nothing in your eyes It makes me feel like giving up Because my best just ain't good enough Girl, I wanna provide for you Do all the things you want Rock a baby rock. Tell me that story. Yeah, I've heard okay. this story, rock but I'll, rock. yeah, have you? Yeah, oh, good. I, it, it's like a deep cut story. So, again, I was the youngest in my family. I have two older sisters. I'm the baby. When I was a baby, uh, I guess I was really young, like nine or ten months old. My dad would sing to me. He'd, he'd go, "Rock a baby rock, rock a baby rock, rock a baby rock," and I would just sway to it in rhythm. Rock a baby rock. Rock a baby rock. And it was like a weird baby trick or whatever. And people would like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. It's so cool. Thing. They'd be like, Mr. Lee, Mr. Make DJ do, make DJ do rock a baby rock. They can do rock a baby. And so I don't even have to see him. I could just hear his voice. Mm. But it, if someone else tried to sing it, I wouldn't move. If right. someone else tried to sing rock, I wouldn't move if they tried to sing it. But if I heard my dad say, rock a baby rock, <laughs> rock a baby rock, rock a baby rock. So yeah, that was the story. And I basically have been calling myself Rocket Baby Rock. Uh, when I got my first email account, whatever, in the 90s, <laughs> Rocket Baby Rock at Juno, Rocket Baby Rock. 
at whatever, rockababyrock at Gmail, rockababyrock, all my handles, all my Twitter, all my Venmo, you know, PayPal, yeah. <laughs> you know, all that stuff, rockababyrock. So that's me. I should get a tattoo like you, you know, like rockababy means rock. You know? <laughs> In your dad's handwriting. Oh, that was just fun. Yeah. Making a note of that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Trying to think of other uh, industry questions. Yeah, I and I actually might be put. I'm toying with the idea of putting out like a mix, a Rocket Baby Rock mixtape, whatever that means. Basically, I have a bunch of songs that I've recorded and writing for sync for film and TV mm-hmm. that aren't released that are just kind of sitting. And I was thought, man, I might just put this out. Yeah, because these are some really cool songs, and I think that's probably going to happen um i'm gonna put out a bunch of music later this year i'm a, in a band we're really we're releasing a song at the end of this month and so yeah a lot of things let's talk about that what's the name of the okay. band what you got coming the Magi. up what, what's in yeah. the future say it again so yeah the band uh, i'm in a band called the magi yeah. it's uh it's a trio um it's similar to what i was doing with scratch track as far as beatboxing the groove and the and, and kind of the foundation is groove-based and we have acoustic guitar and bass and there's three of us. I tell people that we're basically like a black version of Crosby, Stills, and Nash. So uh, nice. <laughs> only in the fact that we, um, you know, we are three solo artists, Damian Horn, Kenny Carter, and myself, David DJ Lee. So we um, we have an, 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 um, a single coming out, our single, Try, it's coming out, I think, June 26th okay. on all digital streaming platforms. So um, it's like Urban Folk. The, yeah, excuse me. The Magi is like an Urban Folk band that, um, it's like, it's a great song. The song's called Try. And uh, we're going to be, you know, we have a music video coming out as well. So just putting our imprint out into the world as a band. Love it. Who's, uh, who's doing your video? Uh, you know, Kent, so... Damien, Kenny, and I. Kenny actually produced and recorded the song, and he's uh, doing the music video as well. So, Kenny, we have, like, Damien, um, who's, you know, an amazing, you know, singer, songwriter. He's an early singer. Kenny's, our, like, our musical director, plays bass, and he's an engineer, and just kind of has a great eye and ear for that. And then I'm, like, the, you know, I do the beatboxing and, uh, we all contribute well to songwriting and the, the sonics of the song, but I'm kind of like the band's manager, you know? So we all have like our, like a little, a little role that we do really well as far as helping uh, kind of get this thing off the ground. So it's been cool. It was an accident. We started because um, the Magi started because we got together for a write here in my little apartment here in Nashville. We got together set up and um, we were supposed to write with our friend Shauna and she wanted to call the project. The Queen and the the Queen and the Magi. Uh, she uh, she was like the Queen and the Magi, and so we uh, um, kind of laughed it off. And she ended up missing the right, so we had we went ahead and just wrote while we were waiting on her, um, and realized she wasn't coming. We started writing this song, and it was like, oh, this is cool. And that was the song "Try" that we were releasing. We, released, okay. we wrote, I think it was this time, yeah, this time last year. So we thought the Magi sounded cool because, you know. Um, the three of us too are like three men who a lot of times in people's lives we're kind of like the voice of reason. People call us to talk and um, not calling ourselves wise or anything, but it was just kind of a cool inspirational 
thing. And the Magi in the Bible represents hope and the promise, you know. And so uh, we hope that we can kind of uplift and bring positivity and, and hope to to uh, people. I can't wait. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I'm excited. For, I'm excited for to hear it. It's gonna be great. Oh man. And I've been to several of your, uh, well, with, uh, scratch track. I've been to several of those shows yeah, man. back in the past, I mean, back you, in the day, but can I tell a story about you real quick? Absolutely. Go for it. All right. Um, you are the very first person I ever saw with an iPhone. You came to our show. Uh, I think it was the Epic one we had too. Like March of 07, maybe 2007. Okay. Feels like early, it feels like that. It could have been 08. I don't know when the first iPhone came out. Oh, so this was the first iPhone. Yeah, it was 07, 08, somewhere around there. I think it was, yeah. I want to I want to say it was March of 07 or sometime in 07. Maybe, maybe anyway, of course, knowing Apple, they did in September. But anyway, it's irrelevant. One of those stories that they just come out, you showed up, you had the ear not pods but the the thing the earphones that came with it yep that came with the phone and you had you had the iphone i had heard about this iphone right i'd never seen them before it literally just came out you came to the show and you were like taking photos with it at the show uh, i don't know if you still have a cloud from 2007 if they had a cloud but um do you remember this at all am i making this do you I remember. Do you have a yeah. memory of this? Yep. yep. Okay. Sure <laughs> I was like, yep. I was, yeah, yeah. I was just like, uh, I was like, what is this thing? Oh, it's an iPhone. So I always tell people all the time, first person I ever saw with an iPhone, major. Mm, thank you. Major Chisholm. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I have some videos somewhere of you guys playing. I don't yeah. know if they're up on my YouTube. Probably with that. Yeah, I don't know Probably. if it was, if I shot it with the iPhone or if it was... With a camera. It's crazy that that was 13 years ago. I know. That's pretty wild. You and I used to get together and eat sushi a lot and go see movies. We did. Movies. Man, it was a good time. I, miss... I really wish I really, I wish, I wish I'd just lived here then. I should have been living in Nashville then. We could have mm-hmm. called all kinds of happy. I came here a lot. I came here a lot, though. I was you, here did. you did. Once a month or, or every other month. And so we, yeah, we'd go get sushi. Where did we always go? We, we mixed it up. Where was our. The spot in Fido, the spot next door to Fido's. Yeah, for a village went there, and then we went to. Uh, um, I remember one place down in Brentwood. Yeah, I'm thinking of that place too. Yeah, right there off of uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Man, good time. Nashville has changed so much since I left. I mean, people now ask me, "Hey, so I'm much. going to Nashville. What should I do?" And I'm like, "Beat <laughs> me." Yeah, I don't know. I mean. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when, uh, well, that's what some people too. People are like, oh, you just got it 18, 18 months ago. I was like, well, I actually remember old Nashville. Like I had a girlfriend that was here from 2001 to 2004. And so we used to kind of go out or hang out or whatever. And even when I was hanging out with you, do you remember like the gulch? I don't even remember the gulch, yeah. mm-hmm. but it was like Sambucas, Roussan. Yep. Um, what was the other place? Oh, Station Inn was of course there. Yeah. And then it was gravel parking lot and crackhead, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> literally it. Sambuca, <laughs> some bar that was like, um, that was like a nightclub, Roussan. You know what I'm talking about? It was like yep. a nightclub and then like Roussan and then um, the station in. 
and gravel. And, like, that was literally it. And now, like, it's a whole thing. It looks like Beverly Hills. Like, there's things, like, all kinds of touristy things. They're building, like, a W hotel there. They're, they're um, Amazon's building their headquarter thing, like, in the Gulch. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. You're, you'll come back here and be like, what planet is this? Yeah, it, you'll feel like Doc Brown and Marty McFly. You'll be like, <laughs> like, what, which 1985 is this? <laughs> I just had a former student ask me today, um, would I recommend moving to Nashville? And I said, well, you know, and we kind of got to talk. He's in film school. And uh, I was like, well, I've had to move back to the South. I could move back to Nashville, but it's grown so much. I don't know that I, I would. I'd live outside of Nashville probably. But right. and I if I was, if I were teaching, I'd probably try to live close to the school I was teaching at, but right. You know, yeah, I don't know. Don't know. But would you give up those mountains? No, I would only give up the <laughs> mountains. Well, one, uh, my wife wouldn't want to move to Nashville. Uh, right. <laughs> we, we would, we would much rather live in a place that's less congested. Um, totally. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked about what retirement looks like. We're nowhere near retirement, but do we want right, to right, right. do we want to stay in Colorado um, at that age? And uh, we've got a few states on our list. They're a little, they're a lot more green and uh, mm. hilly. You know, North Carolina is appealing. Okay, but we'll see. Okay, very cool. Yeah, you're you're always welcome here, man. Thank you. Uh, well, when I'm when I'm back there, I definitely want to come. Uh, uh, see your place. You, absolutely. you, so my move out here, um, you were instrumental in that move because you gave me a place to sleep. Oh yeah. 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 You were driving up. Yeah. You were driving up. Yeah. The big With Roscoe Bosco. Bosco. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That's the restaurant, right? Bosco's. Yes. That's what he's named. Yeah. After. Yeah. 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 Love it. Yeah. I, I, uh, I made it to Kansas City, Missouri. You were my halfway point. Yes, love it. Pull, pulling a car behind a, a U-Haul. Well, wasn't a U-Haul? Pinsky truck moving, or something. Moving, moving's the worst. I hate moving. That's another reason why I might not give up the mountains, just because I hate moving. Right. Moving is the worst. Anyone that says they like moving, I don't believe them. Yeah. Would you encourage if there was a band out there? Uh, a local band. Let's say we got a, a band here in in Loveland, and they were they were wanting to to make it or to do whatever. Would you encourage them to go to Nashville and try to make it, or would you encourage them just to pack up a um, van and go tour? Uh, absolutely. I, if it was something that was feasible for them, like if they were young, not married, sing, you know. If they were young and not married, but extremely driven and committed, and um, like willing to kind of go through the the pains of coming to an oversaturated market, right? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. I every day I drive around this town thinking I should have been here in my twenties. You know, mm. um, I don't know if, how the story would have how I would be different now. Clearly, we'd be, I'd be different now, but I think that um, Nashville is for 
for someone like me, it's the perfect place because there's so many people, so many, so many like-minded people right. as far as artists, musicians, industry. Yeah. Uh, I feel that way about LA as well, but LA's not as, I mean, Nashville's really about the song, you mm-hmm. know, it's about songs. Um, there's music industry and business here and a lot of that and it's getting every day more and more industries coming here more and more like whoa they live here whoa they live here whoa you live down the street from me you know it's a lot of that um there was a young band say i say there was four 19 year olds who were like we want to do music i want nothing more than music i'd say yeah like oh but it's expensive we'll figure it out i came down here as a grown-up not much money in my pocket and I just figured it out, you yeah. know, and I'm, um, and I'm still figuring it out, but it's just like, you know, but if you want to be, you know, if you're going to be in Broadway, you should move to New York. If you're going to be a gambler, move to Las Vegas. If you're going to be an actor, move to LA. If you want to be a songwriter, you know, you're not going to live in Boise. I'm sorry. I mean, right. you can write songs in Boise. You can totally write songs. You can play, a, you can be in a band in Kansas city. I have a lot of friends who make a good, who make a living playing in a band in Kansas City. Um, but none of those people are playing original music full-time. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. they're counterbalancing that with cover shows and wedding gigs and teaching. And, you know what I mean? Like, no one... I know people in this town who write song, original music and that's what they do for a living. Right. Gotcha. They don't do other stuff, you know, or they have to do other stuff. But, they're, you know, because it's a music town, it's a music industry. So, yes, I would encourage, man, I wish someone would have, like, said, dude, stop what you're doing. And it, our story was different because I started touring right out of college. Our band was successful. We were on the road. So it made sense to kind of call home base a town. It made sense at our, in my head at the time. Call home base a town that we didn't have many expenses in Kansas City or Michigan. Right. But looking back, I would have been like, to be a part of a community and a network and a um, scene where, you know, you're in Aldi with people who are writing number one songs. Yeah, that, that matters. You know, that's important. Hmm. Um, so uh, one of the things I loved about living in Nashville is that you could, you could go to the Pancake Pantry and there sits Vince Gill eating by totally. himself, reading his, reading the newspaper and nobody's bothering, yeah. you know, it, it could be anybody. Um, no paparazzi. I don't know how that's changed in the last 11 years since I've been there, but that's what I loved about Nashville. People were just people. Um, yep. It's still that way. Yeah. Uh, along those same lines, who have you in your career, whether Nashville or, or otherwise, um, who have you run into that you were like, I look up to you. <laughs> Is this because you know this story? Do you remember this story? Yeah, I think I know who you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I haven't I haven't told this story in a while. Well, let me just say this. I'll, this, this I'm going to kind of Tarantino, Tarantino, wait, Quentin Tarantino. I'm going to Tarantino this and go backwards to okay. what I said earlier about the early parts of Scratch Track and meeting people and et cetera, et cetera, because I have an endless amount of people that I feel like I have crossed paths, crossed paths with, sat in their office, talked to, emailed that are now some of the biggest. Like, for instance, I don't know if you know who Scooter Braun is. 
you're a Scooter Braun. He's yeah. literally like the biggest manager in music. Manages yeah. Justin Bieber. He's the one that found Justin Bieber. Manages right. Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato. He's like the Don Juan of young managers in music. And I definitely blew him. We we definitely blew him off like three times 17 years ago. You know, he came to our shows in Atlanta. He was emailing us like, you guys are dope. Said, I'm cool with Jermaine Dupree. I'm cool with Usher. We should work together. We were just like, it, you know, whatever, you know. So I always told you, I mean, I blew up Scooter Braun. So who cares? But um, no, but that's a story. My one wow moment, like, oh my goodness. With a bullet, number one, uh, I'll give you the lead up to the story. First time I went to LA was 2004. The best part about this story is that it was the only uh, Super Bowl I've ever missed watching. We were driving from Texas to LA. Oh. And it was a Super Bowl, and Justin Timberlake ripped off Janet Jackson. Uh, yep. The wardrobe the, the malfunction. Mal- the wardrobe malfunction. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So it's like the, it was like the only Super Bowl I ever missed, and that was the one I missed. Crazy, right? But so we get to L.A. It happened to be kind of Grammy weekend. I don't even remember why. We weren't there for the Grammys. We were there playing shows. We had a couple of showcases at, like, Capitol Records and other places. We get there the first night. We're at P.F. Chang's, our manager. Sitting there, Andre 3000 from Outcast is like at the front hostess stand. And we're like, dude, that's Andre 3000. Like what in the world? You know, I'm like a kid, 23 or whatever, 24. Wow. That's Andre 3000. That's crazy. So, that, you know, I think, I think we tried to talk to him. He was on his phone. I don't remember how it went down. We leave there, go to, sorry, I shook the whole thing. We leave there, go to the hotel bar that our manager was staying at. We're sitting there talking to the waitress. I said, yo, this is crazy. First time in L.A. Oh, it's great. I bet a lot of celebrities come here because we were on Sunset in L.A. She's like, yeah. She said, earlier tonight, Denzel was sitting at your table. I was like, whoa, Denzel's at my table. It's crazy, you know? So cool. She's like, and she goes, and you see Angelina over there, right? And I was like, Angelina. And at the bar, like 12 feet from me, and literally where you had to walk in, you walked past, sitting at the bar was Angelina Jolie with some random dude. Like, she was making out with this random dude at the bar. And I was like, that it was like that was just wild. Like, oh, there's Angela Jolie. That kept happening. Next day, we're in line. The next day, we were in line with these young kids that were in a van that were traveling around, following John Mayer, opening for him. Um, they're a band called Maroon Five, and there we were in Baja Fresh with them and just kind of hung out with them for a little while, chatting with them. And they were, you know, like I said, they were in a van in a trailer following John Mayer at the time, opening for him. Um, I think Jason saw Julia Roberts at a stoplight. Um, something else happened that trip. I'm forgetting some of the story, but the point of this whole story is that our last night in town, we uh, are at our booking agent's office in Beverly Hills. I said, he said, hey guys, before you go, I need to get some more CDs from you to send out and press kits. Because back then you had to actually mail CDs to people. Right. Before links and emails and stuff. There were emails, but not like MP3. So we go downstairs, get in the elevator, three of us. This is when Will was still in the band. Um, Will, Jason, and I go into the elevator, go down to the lobby. We walk out towards the front door, and I said, oh, snap. We're going to get Buzz back in this building. I'll stay here. You guys go out and get the CDs, and I'll let you guys back in. They're like, okay, cool, whatever. So I'm sitting there. I remember the phone I had. I was on those flip phones. Looking at my phone, fiddling with it. I hear the elevator. I'm standing by the front door. I hear the elevator go, ding. Like, I wasn't even looking. I just saw two, felt two people walking towards me. And I look up, and there's this guy who I have no idea who he is. And there's a girl. 
And I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show Smallville. I don't know if your listeners or your watchers have seen the TV show Smallville. But that show was super hot at the time. And the love interest, Superman's love interest on Smallville was a girl named Lana Lang on the show. But her, character, her real name is Kristen Keurig. Um, beautiful girl that girl that every every guy's in love with, right? So Kristen Keurig is who's walking towards me. <laughs> and I'm in love. I love Smallville. I love Smallville so much. It's crazy, right? <laughs> Kristen Keurig's walking towards me. And I'm like, this, this, is, this is not happening. I'm like, wow. So I just start saying, I'm standing by the front door. She's walking towards me. I start going, wow, wow, wow. I just, that's all I'm saying is wow, wow, <laughs> wow. And she kind of glances up at me because there's this random black guy talking to himself at the front door. So she glances up at me. They're about to get to the door. And I'm like, DJ, pull it together. Say something to her. And she gets, I say, uh, Kristen. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> And she turned and looked at me and like all of a sudden like light shone down on her and like the heavens open. There were like birds singing. It was really weird, but like everything went in slow-mo. There was like a fan blowing her hair and she was like, you know, it was like, she was like, yeah. And I was like, and I said, I just want to say I'm a huge, huge fan. She goes, oh, thank you. And then I quickly, for some reason, said, she goes, I was just like, I'm a huge, huge fan. She goes, oh, thank you. I said, I'm so glad you're here right now. <laughs> she goes, okay, well, bye. And then she turned and walked out the door. And I said to myself, I'm so glad you're here right now. <laughs> that, that was your moment. That was your moment. That was your shot to shoot. And you went with, I'm so glad you're here right now. What does that even mean? Anyway, she, and then she walked out of my life, and I've never seen her since. With her bodyguard. <laughs> so, yeah, with, with this other dude. It was crazy. Um, so that was the moment. That was the only time I've really just been like shook. Met a lot of like whatever celebrities or I know people that know people, whatever. But that was just the moment I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, um, what's, what's the one album or song or creative endeavor that you'd like to do before you go? Like, what's that one one creative thing that, you know, whether you're remembered for it or not, but it's, it, it's, it's burning inside you, and you're like... Um, what came to mind first was I would love to write a song or co-write a song that reaches a mass audience. Um, win a Grammy or something. I don't know if I care about those things, but it would be cool to write a song or be part of a song that, you know, just reached a mass level of people. Mm. Um, viral or a hit song or whatever. Right. Well, even a song that was an album cut on 
you know, something it can be a country song or whatever. So I think, I think for me that the thing I would like to do the most is to have, you know, before say that, oh my goodness, I was a part of a song that charted on this format or something. Um, right. So yeah, that, or I would love to do like an awesome collab. Um, can't think of who I'd like to collaborate with. If I had one person I'd be able to collaborate with, it'd probably be somebody like really random, like, um, man, something really random like, like Dave Matthews or something crazy like that or something like, you know, like, uh, I'd love to do a collaboration with, um, I'll think of it, probably a female artist, something that was really different. I mean, I'd, I'd love to collaborate with these girls. Larkin Poe, Rebecca, if you're listening. Megan, if you're listening. Let's do a track together. <laughs> um, something really cool and unique, you know, soulful, groove, interesting. Okay. What's the What's the one creative endeavor or song that you've written? I, I mentioned this in my last podcast with uh, um, my friend Chris Allen, pen name Israel Allen. Um I keep a painting in my garage that I don't like because it reminds me that I don't always make masterpieces. And when I set out to paint, I try to make a masterpiece, you know, I try to pour a lot into it. Right. But I keep some crappy ones because, uh, sometimes I make crap art. What's a, what's a crappy song you've, you've written or, or a song you're like, ah, I just, I don't like that. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I was telling someone about this the other day. I, People say songs are like children. I don't necessarily know if I agree with that because I definitely think that there's some things that Scratch Check wrote that we did. We did seven albums, so, you know, and I love a lot of the things that we did, but there's a song uh, on one of our albums that I hear. I'm not going to call it out because it might be someone's favorite song, but sure. I'm not going to say what it is, but it's a song that I hear and I'm just like, that wasn't very good. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the performance wasn't very good. The idea was good, but it's just not very good. You know what I mean? Like yep. I was just like, mm, that could have been better. You know? And I feel like there's a lot of choices that I think I've, not a lot. There's several choices that I think that we made and held strong to in the beginning because we wanted to be singular. We wanted mm-hmm. to be a band that said, this is our sound. This is who we're not. We don't sound like this thing. We don't sound like that. We're not trying to sound like whatever. We sound like us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that alienated us in some ways that probably were not as productive for our commercial success. Right. Uh, we have the respect of a lot of, of a few hundred people. No, we have the respect of, you know, some indie hardcores, but, you know, uh, I, you know, I look back and think we should have probably done some, more unconventional and commercial, um, commercial things. So, okay. I like that. Yeah. One of the things that Chris told me is that, and, and you, you mentioned it, um, you didn't want to call out the song because it could be someone's favorite song is that, you know, even though I don't put that painting out there, uh, someone could find value in it and, uh, mm-hmm. it could, it could speak to someone. And so, and that's cool and all, yeah. um, but yeah, so and that, and that's, I mean, honestly, that's the discussion I would love to have. This is probably a whole nother podcast. This is like part two. Sure. Because I talk a lot about 
Um, people say things like beauty's in the eye of the beholder, and we live kind of like in a universalistic culture where to each his own and what's beauty to you might not be beauty to someone else, you know? And I just don't really believe that. I mean, I, it's like, it's like I, I hear what they're trying to say. And I think there's interpretation for, for art and this interpretation for preference and interpretation for, um, you know, flavors. Yeah. But I think that there's, I personally believe in ultimate truth. I believe that there's, I think that's why there's, scales i think there's why there's that's why there's a color scheme that's why there's notes that's why there's time signatures right um to keep you within a parameter that will execute truth um so you may have created a painting that in your heart you know this isn't very good but a 16 year old student of yours may be unbelievably inspired by it maybe thinking it's the greatest thing they've ever seen so does that mean that the art has less value more value or has the value changed and that's kind of the discussion that i have a lot with people and i i personally feel like this is like you're an expert in art like you have done your time you've done your hours to say I know my feel, you know, I can hear music in a song and say, that's awesome. That I may not like, like it or whatever I can say, Oh, that's done really well. Those drums sound great. That guitar sounds awesome. Ooh, the vocals out of tune. You know what I mean? I can say, I know enough about, I'm qualified to be able to say what's good and what's not good or whatever. Um, but that being said, I I personally just believe that, you know, we have to start in our art, you know, speaking truth and saying that there is, there is better, you know, there's not, oh, that was great. And I think in the church growing up, everyone thought I was great. And my parents, my parents are the most like supportive people of all time, you know, and, you know, no one's going to be like, and these are kind of pitchy, and that song's not very good, and you should work harder on your vocal. No one, no one says that. Everyone's just like, "Oh, that's great, and you're such a blessing, and God bless you, and you're being used." But no one was like, "Yo, go work even harder and be great," you know? Yeah. And it took me a long time to get to this point where I want to be great, and that doesn't mean that I have to be like overly nitpicky or overly critical or overly pompous or overly any of that it's just a matter of like striving for some sort of standard because if i don't think if i don't think there's an artistic standard or an ultimate truth in art then i think what's the point yeah. and i think that we're all just kind of pissing in the wind at some level if that if it's not true so i i struggle with that i like that conversation i like having that conversation with musicians and artists and most people when i tell them that i don't don't think beauty is not the beholder they look at me like I have six heads and I try to explain myself and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, well, <laughs> it makes sense in my head, but I don't know. I, I get the sentiment. I'm not trying to like start a riot. I can't, I'm not trying to start a, just a fight or a discussion or whatever. But um, anyway, that's just a small tangent I went off on. on so um, I apologize for the rabbit hole, but that was 
No, I'll 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 take that red pill any day. Uh, follow, right. follow follow the rabbit. Um, no, that's uh, that's one of the things I really try to teach my students because um, the Avid Brothers released a song called um, "Just Another Bang Bang Shoot 'Em Up" movie. I forget the name of the song, Bang Bang, anyway. But my students, that's what they want to do. They want to make these, like, violent movies. And it's I'm sure it's, you know, what they're immersed in and what they're seeing. And I'm like, make something beautiful. Make something, you know, that that you can show your grandmother, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm assuming that's boring to them. But um, but what, what, comes, what comes off is these, you know, 16-year-olds um, playing these adult roles and trying to, you know, with guns and I'm like, it just doesn't, it doesn't play well. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, um, it would be like all of y'all looking as young as you are, um, acting like, you know, the elderly, the elderly in a nursing yeah. home, you know? Yeah. Senior citizens. Right. Yeah. And, and so it just doesn't play well, Pl- you know, make something that, that is excellent. And, and that's kind of my thing, you know, be excellent at your craft and, yeah, you had. A, no, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I think really, that's awesome, and, and I, and I hope that, and you know, and I, and I struggle with that sometimes with, with Aspen, who I was, she's sixteen, she's so talented girl, and it's like trying to find that balance of encouragement and then Joe Jackson, you know, right. Michael Jackson's dad, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's like encouraging versus, you know, I'm gonna whip you. Not that I would ever hit anyone, but you know what I'm saying, like that, the the militant versus the you know, grace. Peace. Oh, it's great. You're doing a great job. You're doing great. Keep it up. Whatever yeah. you want to do. That's just not, that's not truthful. And that's not where, how, how you define greatness, you know? And I think everyone that I know that's great, that's great. Um, you know, it's like they, they work really hard to be great. Yeah. I think it goes back to kind of what you were talking about with your sisters is just having that alpha mentality. Um, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is labeled as one of the hardest working men in Hollywood, and and he's working. Yeah, and it shows. Yeah, you know. A lot of people want to sit around and eat pizza all day and then complain why they don't have a six-pack. I'm just like, you don't understand. Like, the discipline and the work that is involved for a body like that is, and the commitment level is, unparalleled you know yeah the same thing happens i think with great art you know i want to be better i'm not saying i'm even like doing i'm not even saying i'm doing it (laughs) right i want to do it you know what i mean like i i want to do it i want to be great you know yeah i had a professor once tell me that um if i was going to work on a painting and i may be misquoting him but i i think he either said if you're going to make a great painting it should take you and this is where i could be getting it wrong it should take you like a month or a year to work on that painting. And I was like, wow. Okay. So I can't just whip this out on a Friday night <laughs> for a Monday morning critique, you know? <laughs> right, so, right, right. No, totally. Um, so I really, you know, took that to heart and, and, and I don't think we teach the, the disciplines of being excellent in our craft as much as, or I don't think people learn that as much as they should. And that, you know, yeah. Hmm. So, where can people find your music? Give me all the socials. Give me everything. and uh, All the things. All the things. All right. So, you can check out 
the seven albums from the band Scratch Track. Two words, Scratch Track on all digital streaming platforms. Um, currently, you can check out a few songs of my solo stuff at Rock A Baby Rock, R-O-C-K-A-B-A-B-Y-R-O-C-K, at Rock A Baby Rock. Um, you can follow me there on Instagram, Twitter. I even have a Snapchat, which I don't know how to use. I have a TikTok that I'm trying to figure out as well. You know, <laughs> old dog, new tricks. Right. Um, and you can find me at the Magi six one five. So uh, Instagram at the Magi six one five, which is the area code for Nashville. For those of you who did not know, uh, we're on Facebook as well. All those things are on Facebook as well. Check out all those things. And my website should have links to Olivia Fox and Secondhand King and Aspen, all those things as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'll include all that in the, the description below. That's, that's what they say. Yeah. yeah. Do this and say it's yeah, going to yeah. be in the description below. <laughs> Even on YouTube, <laughs> I'll put this on YouTube and uh, put it all in the right. descriptions. I'll get all that um, information from you. I'm pretty sure I can spell rock a baby rock, but all the other stuff I'll get from you as well. So yeah, yeah. it's like the links Sounds, to the, the artist yeah. you produce. Sounds great. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Last words. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, I just like all day. I've just been texting folks, you know, like just be excellent to each other, you know, it's about love. And we live in a pretty emotionally charged culture, emotionally justified culture. We use our emotions to validate what we say and how we treat people. Um, and it gets kind of ugly and gets kind of tired. Um, and I think there's more, like, there's more to life than, A, like, our differences physically, socially, spiritually. Um, and there's, you know, so much to be gained by just a little bit of love. Starts with the man in the mirror. Want to make the world a better place? Take a look at yourself. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what song is not going to be written. If you want to make the world a better place, get on Facebook and rant. That's not a thing. No, that's, it's not. That's not not going to do anything, but except raise everyone's blood pressure. You know. Um, and at our age, we don't need that. Nope. <laughs> not enough for everyone. DJ, man, it's so good to see your face. Thanks for it's good to see you too, man. Coming on. I hope this is a blessing to those listening and, and future artists and current artists. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's been uh, a pleasure, Major. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And uh Stephanie, I beat you. Ha. <laughs> uh stay on after this and uh, we'll we'll catch up some more off air. But right. uh sounds good. This, uh, this has been my friend, David DJ Lee DJ. So thanks again, brother. Appreciate you coming on. Very welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Let's rock it out. You've been listening to the creative Liberty podcast. I'm your host, major Chisholm. In the studio with me today was David DJ Lee. And guys, check him out on all his socials. 
check out his YouTube channel. And uh, definitely check out the Magi when it comes out later this summer. Until next time, hope you've enjoyed this. Stay safe, love one another, and we'll see you on the next one.